welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Post. My name's Richard Byram and joining me on the line this week is my colleague James O'Brien. James is the Yorkshire Post Rugby League writer and he's been hard at it for the last couple of weeks at the World Cup. Last weekend in Bolton he saw a good win for England and he'll be hoping that Sean Wayne's side can carry that decent run on when they take on Minnow's Greece this weekend. Yeah, well, yeah, you'd expect so <laughs> Uh, Greece are uh, rank outside is this their their first tournament um, they've, they've done okay so far actually um, they've probably pushed above the weight they, they've got a few nice tries they've conceded a lot of points as you'd expect but they've they've given well particularly France they gave them a game for a little while they had good spells against them and Samoa not so much they got back into Samoa's backlash from their opening their defeat by England Um but yeah, England, they should rack up a hell of a lot of points on, on Saturday at Bromwell Lane. You'd expect it to be up there with towards what Australia got against Scotland. Um, eight plus it was in the end. 84-0. Um, New Zealand as well, they put a lot on Jamaica, although Jamaica, there's a good, good effort in the end. I thought that they get up towards 100 points perhaps, New Zealand, but 68-6, that's it's not a bad reflection when you look at the respective value of the the two squads, that's a, that's a really good effort. But just going back to England, Sean Wayne's had the luxury after being tomorrow of being able to chop and change, rest a few players, um, give other players opportunities. And it's, it's allowed him to have a good look at his options and see what his best team might be for the, the quarterfinals. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting in that in that respect. I think the biggest dilemma is around the, the wingers. Um, he's got Dom Young scored four tries so far and he's, he's one of the breakout stars of the other couple of rounds at least and then Ryan Hall just do, does what Ryan Hall does at international level scores a couple of tries um, carries strongly out of backfield and then you've got Tommy Makinson who's been the best winger in Super League for the last few years so it's not not a bad position no. to be in all, all, all the same I wouldn't like to be in it myself I, I don't know which way I'll go but it's interesting because he's he's got no centres this week uh, Callum Watkins uh, failed concussion protocols, so he's he's out. Herbie Farnworth's been rested, so we might see one of the wingers in the centres, which is which will be interesting. I don't know which way he'll go there. He could go with Kai Pierce Paul and John Bateman, or he could put Tommy Makinson in there, or even Dom Young, who's played there before, not not very often, but he has he has done played perform that role for the Knights before. So yeah, it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be interesting what his seventeen is going to be for that quarterfinal because there's not there's not too many clues so far that you, you know the guys who, who will be in there the ones he trusts more than anyone but there, there are spots up for grabs and it's going to be interesting to see how the performance that is. I'm expecting another intense performance from England knowing that a lot of those players are playing for spots the knockout stages. Yeah, Sean Wayne said didn't he after the, the France game uh, I think a piece you wrote for the Yorkshire Post that uh, he wasn't going to let England relax against Greece. Obviously, the result is, we'd expect a bit of a foregone conclusion in as far as anything can be in sport. Yeah. Uh, but he certainly wasn't going to allow England to relax and think that because it was Greece, they could play half-baked or uh, get away with one and not put it in. You know, He wants to keep everybody focused and fully at it in readiness for the quarter-final. And he can understand that. And from what we've seen of England so far... Uh, Wayne certainly got them fired up, hasn't he? Yeah, I think they need an 80-minute performance as, as well as they played in the first two games against 
pretty strong sides. I mean, in terms of opposition within within a group at this World Cup, I think they've played two of the stronger sides. But they haven't quite nailed the performance yet. I think in both games they've dropped off just before half time, and in the France game last week they dropped off last 10, 15 minutes. Um, and if you do that against Australia and New Zealand, I think I think it's game over. Or well, there's a good chance it'll be game over. So you really need to be squeaky clean and, and perfect when it comes to those games at the back end. Even against Tonga in the semi-finals, if if that's who the if they get that far and that's who they play, then yeah, they're going to have to be very good again, better than they have been so far. I think. Yes, certainly. I mean, you know, as you say, the the tournament's really ta- taking shape now, isn't it? That the teams you'd expect to win are winning and winning well, uh, and those yeah. that, that that aren't, you know, they're putting up a good fight and so on. But you know, they're doing no more than we probably would have expected of them. Uh, so you know, yeah. it really is getting to the business end now. And uh, ironically, maybe if they played Greece first and built up towards Samoa as the third game, but you know, that was how the draw was. You can t- surmise about things like that forever, I think. But you know, I think they certainly need to. Keep the pressure on at Bramall Lane this week. It's it's good to have a England playing in Yorkshire as well, of course. Um, and a couple of players you touched on there, Dom Young and and uh, Ryan Hall, uh, two players I may have for completely different reasons. For Ryan, obviously, been there and done it throughout his career, really, apart from his spell in Australia, and he came back to Hull KR and and got going again, didn't he? And and great to see him get over the line last week and. You know what a player to have as a backup, even if he doesn't ultimately get picked in the in the starting team uh, behind Makinson and behind. Yeah, one thing I thought about, sorry, about Ryan Hall is whenever England played against Australia, New Zealand, he he always stood out. He had great games. Yeah, I've been in Australia since early two thousands, is it? But he he always stood up against Australia and always performed. Scored a lot of tries against them, um, and, and they respect him. And I'm sure they respect Dom Young as well, given what he's done in, in the NRL this season. But yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I don't know. Um, with me, Yorkshire, I'm not, I'll probably go for Dom Young and Ryan Hall, but you can't look past what Tommy Wakinson's done at yeah. Super League the last few years. It's been unbelievable and a big reason why they've won uh, four titles in a row. So, like I said, I don't know, I don't know who's going to pick, maybe pick a couple of names out of that. <laughs> I have vague memories of Young going to, to Australia uh, from Huddersfield. I think he did he only play once for Huddersfield, I think, and all of a sudden he decided to take his chance in the NRL and you're thinking, wow, this kid obviously fancies himself or backs himself and and he's certainly done that. He, he went to the same school in Wakefield as one of my sons and uh, obviously they've been very proud of him this last couple of weeks and there's been quite a fuss down there and Calendar went down to see some of the rugby team. And they're the good sort of side stories about the World Cup too, aren't they? That people uh, emerge from the pack and suddenly make a big name for themselves. Uh, and Dom's certainly done that and thought highly of down at the school. Um, I just hope that in a, a few years he might wend his way back to Wakefield and play for the train. <laughs> I think we might have to wait till a bit later in his career for that, if at all. But uh, you never know, never say never. Uh, but certainly, you know, as you say too, you know, the superb break, length of the field, try on, on Saturday again. And, you know, once a guy like that gets rolling, nobody stops him, do they? So, you know, again, something for all the fans to get behind. Um, 
great that you know we've got one of the the big stars of the tournament so far and I'm sure as it goes on he'll only get better that scoring those tries early on can only boost his confidence and let him believe that he can play at that level uh, and you know yeah. as you say when we come again against the bigger sides at the back end of the tournament hopefully he'll still be producing yeah but it'd be nice to see a foot race between him and Josh O'Carr at Old Trafford next month yeah yeah uh, like the final see who the fastest man on the planet is yeah yeah <laughs> Well, he's you know he must be up there. He must be um, you know. There's certainly not many in England I can think of who are faster than him. And I think some of the other games, James, um, as we were just touching on earlier, probably going to go to form. You would you would imagine um, Fiji and Scotland and Australia and Italy also on Saturday. Um, can't really see past Fiji and Australia. Then obviously New Zealand, Ireland tomorrow night. I noticed the bookies have got the Kiwis at a thousand to one on. If you're a gambling man, you're not going to make much out of that unless you've a, a suitcase full somewhere to put it on in the first place. So uh, I think that probably the end of Ireland's interest as well in in this tournament, unfortunately. Um, yeah, that's pretty disappointing. I, I really thought they'd, they'd beat Lebanon. I don't, I don't know if that's just ignorance of the, the Lebanon players and what they do in their lower grades in Australia, but I thought Ireland had one of the, the best squads of that probably since 2000 when they had the likes of Chris Joint and Barry McDermott and Ollie um, Martin and, and and the rest of them and they, they took England all the way didn't they in the quarterfinals yeah. in 2000 um, I thought that this is probably the best batch since then and they're not well, it's, it's hard isn't it because the first game they were good they did what they had to do against Jamaica and then they're straight into this pretty much do or die game in game two without a warm up match and if you caught cold and they were, then you're gone, aren't you? And that's it. So yeah. you, don't get much, you don't get much chance, especially in a group like that, where you're coming up against a, a team of a similar level. If you have an off day, then you, your quarterfinal hopes are as good as over, and that's where Ireland find themselves at the moment. I've, I've, I was thinking the same about Italy. Um, you know, last week I was sort of raving about how well they played against Scotland and really caught the eye and looked really prepared. Uh, and then they went out and got absolutely tonked by Fiji, didn't they? Um, 64, yeah. which, again, maybe I, I underestimated Fiji. I know they, they played Australia first and kept them to 42-8, which some might say was yeah. a, a kind of moral victory in a way. But even so, I, I was expecting more from from Italy in their second game. And then, you know, they were, they were pretty much blown away, weren't they? As you say, Jamaica, again, put up a bit of a... A fight against New Zealand and, and lovely scenes there when Ben Jones Bishop scored his try. Uh, you know that yeah. they'd just come to to showcase Jamaican rugby league and, and, and maybe get some points on the board, and they did that. But uh, and and Greece as well as you've just touched upon uh, were, were well beaten again. Perhaps something of a well, not a surprise, but you know again seventy two points in, and you'd expect yeah. England to do the same probably uh, this weekend. I think Group D is really, really being competitive. Even Wales, I mean, the scoreline thirty-two-six against Tonga probably don't do the game justice because they they really had a go at Tonga, didn't they? Especially early on. Yeah. Um, well, they hit the stride yet? Have they? You won't say. I mean, they've still got two or three big guns to come back in there, which will strengthen them. Um, and I can't, I can't really see the Cook Islands doing a number on them in, in Middlesbrough on, on Sunday. No, um, I'll be out there. I'm looking forward to it, but I, I don't know if Cook Island's got enough to hurt Tonga from what I've seen of the Cook Islands so far. Um, 
But yeah, Wales, it's a shame for them because if they if they'd have been in another group with uh, another minnow, because you, you can't really call any of those sides in Group D a minnow, because even though Cook Islands, they've got quite a lot of quality on there compared to, to Wales. If they'd have been in a group with, say, Scotland or even Italy, I don't know. Yeah. Wales might have since, I think it's 2000, but as it is, they've... There's no group of death in a rugby league World Cup, but this is as close as, as you could get. I think. Yeah, them. yeah, I think it's a it's a fair point. They they of of the sort of minnow nations, for want of a better word, they certainly drew the sharks to ending up in that group, didn't they? Um, <laughs> in terms of you know maybe making some progress or getting a win on the board, um, they they were the unlucky ones this time. Um, I know the other side of that coin is it always gives another outsider uh, a chance of a decent run to the back end of the tournament, but uh, it won't be Wales this time, unfortunately. Just just on the subject of Wales and crowds in general, you know, there's been a lot of comment, James, about crowds for the World Cup. I know some people seem to fixate on it and that there's not enough people there, and then others say that there's what you would expect to be there or crowds have been better in certain places than expected, but not in others, or the so-called heartlands. Um, how have you found it? As far as I can see, the crowds are up on the last World Cup, but there are more games this time. Is that right? I'm right in saying. Yeah, that's that's right. I, they have been disappointed in some places. The, the first weekend, a lot of people spoke about the crowd at Warrington for New Zealand, Lebanon, which were really disappointed. I think it was just between five and six thousand, which is, which is great, is it, for a World Cup game? The number one ranked uh, team in town. Uh, and Lebanon, obviously, one of the well, one of the sides of the tournament so far. They push New Zealand close, beat Ireland, and they'll probably play Australia next week at Huddersfield, which will be a lively game. But yeah, going back to your, your point, I think the tournament will be defined by the crowds in the knockout stages and yeah, the, the full stadiums there. Although, like I say, they're playing Huddersfield. Um, you'd expect upwards of fifteen thousand. You want there for that quarterfinal, wouldn't you? Um, Saturday at Wigan, you'd expect that to be a sellout for England, and then potentially Tonga be Samoa and Warrington as well. So that big night for Warrington because if they get another disappointing crowd there, then they're going to get all kinds of flack. But like I say, it's going to be defined by that, especially going down to Emirates as well. If they can get 60,000 um, attendance there for the semi-final, uh, that'd be a real breakthrough moment. I think uh, um, not a traditional venue is it for rugby league? They've played a lot of Wembley and. Play at top of the field, but never been to the Emirates before, so that'd be a big moment if they can get a big crowd there. Then you'd expect Old Trafford to be close to a sellout for the the final, which will be a double header with the, the women's final as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I agree with you. You know, you you would expect that as the the smaller teams get eliminated and the bigger ones start to come together, that maybe more neutrals will take an interest in those games of a higher quality with, with the be- very best players on the show who should just be starting to peak at that time. And I think as well, you know, that the positive is people are going out and watching games, buying tickets and so on. We have to remember that, you know, it's not an easy time for people at the moment, is it, financially? And if, so, unfortunately, some people obviously can't afford to go like they may, might have done a few years ago or last year even, they might have had to tighten the belt still further, but at least every game's on the TV and maybe maybe we'll find that when that data comes out, who's watching on TV, who's watching online, who's interacting on Twitter and Facebook, which seems to be just as important today as actual boots on the ground in the in the grounds. 
uh, they will find that you know a lot of people have been attracted to the games in different ways from actually physically going through a turnstile. So I don't think you know it's all doom and gloom. Uh, you know, people are turning up, and the people who are turning up are obviously wanting to be there. And you'd suspect, you know, I know a few people who've got tickets for two and three games, including maybe all the England games are going to the Emirates because they've never been to the Emirates before, which, as I've said to Peter on here before, is an absolutely superb ground uh, with a superb view. And uh, anybody listening who's maybe wondering, should they go? Well, I, I would say yes, definitely. You know, it'd be a great atmosphere and, and a great experience to see a game of rugby there. I'm certain of that. And um, just in general, then, as you say, towards the semis and, and the final, you you would expect that, the sense of occasion alone would would see people wanting to be there for those games and be, be part of it. And let's hope that obviously England are there at that stage too. I hope so. I put, I put my train out down to London, so they need to. <laughs> they need to I think it'll be Papua New Guinea next week if it goes to script this weekend. So yeah, that that be a tough game in itself. I mean, they don't all back to the. the they're going to take it to you physically, and they're going to they're going to hurt you. I don't think it's the ideal quarter-final opponent when you, you've got to dust yourself down and go again the next week, but that's what you get this stage of the tournament, isn't it? Yeah. You, you're not going to get the game, unless you're Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Although, as I said, they, they've, shown, they've shown a fair bit in this tournament so far. They want to be putting in a, a big effort there because a lot of those guys will be Australian, won't they, with Lebanese heritage, so... Yes. Yeah, it's a matchup. And I just mentioned the, the other quarter final is in at the MKM Stadium. I don't want to upset anyone in Hull by not mentioning that. Okay. Um, that, was, that was like likely to be New Zealand Fiji, which would be, which would be another another decent matchup. Yeah, yeah, and certainly again the, the Fijians don't give any quarter to the. I know the New Zealanders don't, but they they will be given a good game as as well there, won't they? By Fiji, you, you would imagine um, the spirit and the heart. We'll see those fellas uh, battling to the end. I'm sure, even if sort of skill wise and and in terms of ability, the the Kiwis have probably got the edge. Uh, they're not going to sit back and and relax, are they? Uh, Fiji. Although I think a lot of people said the same five years ago, and Fiji turned them over, didn't they, in the quarterfinals? Yeah. Was, although I think New Zealand was stuttering at that time anyway, but still, it was quite a big shock. Yeah, there's always, there's always that, you know, again, for those reasons that we've just discussed, there's, there's always that chance, isn't there? Like Tonga have come out of this sort of next tier and, and stepped up, haven't they? And, and Samoa, you know, they've as players have gone, more and more of the people have gone over to play in, in Australia and the NRL and come over to England and standards have risen still further. That's now being reflected in their national teams, isn't it? And and that's really what you want. That's you want the domestic game to provide the better, stronger international teams. So it's not just the same three there all the time. That's surely another way that you grow the game and spread the word, isn't it? By having stronger international sides away from Australia, New Zealand and England, shall we say. And you know, that, that encourages more people to come forward and get involved. Definitely, yeah. And I think for the same reasons, that's why Ireland needs to put in a good performance um, on Friday to keep to keep the core of that squad together going forward to the to the next tournament. Yeah. But as as we mentioned earlier, they've got the makings of a decent squad there, and they, they, 
they need to keep it together and the way to do that is to to show players who might be thinking about maybe retiring in three years time or or going elsewhere or maybe even playing for England in someone like James Bentley's case to give them a reason to stick around for the next tournament yeah yeah it's a good point yeah definitely um you say they have they certainly got the basis of it and there's always a few from down under as well, aren't there, who are keen to represent their you know, sort of original heritage as well, whether it's Ireland or Scotland or Wales. And again, if they can see that those teams are developing, if they think they're not going to get into Australia or New Zealand's side, then it's a good alternative for them, isn't it? But they're not going to come over if they're going to suffer three 16-0 drubbings uh, in the tournament. So, again, as you say, an important part of the development of the game and of the different countries. And again, then that spins back to improving the domestic setup, doesn't it, then? Absolutely. And you just, obviously, the Women's World Cup starts this week as well, doesn't it? And then I, I believe the wheelchair next Sunday for England. So, England, Brazil on Tuesday for the. Should be. Yeah, there's plenty to go out in the coming weeks, and it's, re- it's really exciting. Yeah. Um, Anyone who loves rugby league, there's so much to watch. You're not going to get bored here over the, over the coming weeks. No, not at all. No, so as, uh, as I say, it's, it's just uh, it's all bubbling up nicely now, isn't it? We've got two two weeks of sort of qualifiers out of the way, and although the teams you'd probably expect to be heading towards the last eight are doing so, we, we've seen some good games and some good individual performances. Yeah, yeah it's been an encouraging start. I think it has pretty much gone to script, but there's there's been a lot to get excited about. Um, I think it's a lot of people mentioned the wingers and how they're lighting up the tournament. Yeah. Um, or just some of those matchups in the knockout stage as well. As I mentioned, Lado Car potentially against Young, and then yeah, there's, there's some a lot to be excited about. There is, I think the if we do get Tonga Samoa, I think from there through to the final because that's the last quarter final potentially. I, I think you you've got four great games there. Yeah, and to finish the on a real eye. Well, hopefully, um, we'll be back next week, James, to, to chat a bit more, and hopefully, Peter will be able to join us too, and we'll have a better idea then of how the last eight's going to look and uh, how the England women have got on. Good luck to them and, and the wheelchair people too. Uh, yep. But for now, I think we'll leave it there. And just my usual reminder that you can get the very latest uh, rugby league news yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk, yorkshirepost.co.uk. And the Twitter feeds at YP Sport and at YEP Sports Desk, as well as James and Peter's own Twitter accounts. And you'll be able to get this podcast and others also uh, via our websites and via our Twitter sites too. But for now, thanks to James for all his insight and contributions. It's good to catch up with him, and we'll hopefully be back again soon.